Yeah. Okay, so uh, I'm going to grab the mic and, and just introduce uh, uh, the project Kandalama. And uh, three of us plus another person was part of it. Uh, Shari will explain further. So uh, to give a bit of my background, I started my career as a draftsman, okay, way down below uh, when I was 18 years old. And then I worked, worked, worked. And now I construct buildings. Um, uh, Mr. Deepal and I work together in Surat Vikram Singh Associates. Uh, Mr. Deepal also worked very hard from uh, the youth, as a youth. And he now uh, operates and runs one of the most successful structural engineering companies in Sri Lanka. And of course, uh, Mr. Premakure is uh, part of the ownership of Kandalama. Uh, they are the people who commissioned Mr. Bhava and Mr. Premakure uh, is uh, passionate about Kandalama and he's also writing a book on Kandalama. And uh, Kandalama has a major, major history behind it, both in terms of architecture and social upheaval. And so Mr. Premakure will probably touch on those. So it's an interesting project because it came uh, during uh, President Premadasa's time when there was hardly any construction and suddenly it was uh, given up for development, this particular bit of land. So Kandalama has uh, a fantastic history of intrigue, drama, uh, political influence, you name it, it can be made into a movie, seriously. So Shari, over to you. Um, good evening, and um, my name is Shairi, as Dilshan mentioned, I'm the curator at the Power Trust. And today's talk is, um, it comes under the program for this exhibition, where we look at different aspects, we've sort of identified eight loose themes, where we talk more broadly about the built environment, and of course, its connection with the natural environment, both of which we'll touch on today. Um, as Dilshan said, each of our speakers today had a very important role in making the Kandalama Hotel and it is the last built work that's, that is featured in this exhibition. Um, so after an informal conversation, and I have a feeling it will be informal, we will open up with um, questions for you, so it, I hope you will join us in that. Um, I have three sort of formal bios for each of you, which I would like to read so that you also know um, some of the, I already know more about Deshan from his, <laughs> what he just said. So you can piece the two pieces of information together. Um, so we'll start with Mr. Prema Kure, who is the immediate past chairman of Aitkins Spence PLC and counts well over 30 years of experience in travel and tourism. He led the hotel sector of Aitken Spence for several years, contributing significantly in making the company a leading player in the development of resorts, both in Sri Lanka and the Maldives. He is acknowledged for the pivotal role played in the development of sustainable tourism, and especially for his leadership in developing Kandalama Hotel, which has won many global accolades for its exceptional standards in environmental management, food and beverage excellence, and service standards. Prema was awarded the title Legend of Tourism by the Ministry of Tourism in 2011. He's a past president of the Tourist Hotels Association 
and was chairman of the Convention Bureau. He also served as Secretary General and CEO of the Ceylon Chamber of Commerce uh, between 2003 and 2008. He chairs the Citrus Leisure PLC and Rainforest Eco Lodge, a rainforest initiative in Singharaja, partnered by the private sector, which benchmarks the best practices for ecotourism development in Sri Lanka. He's also a director of Fort Hotels Group, representing three hotels, and also of Lighthouse Hotel PLC. He's appointed as a director CEO of Biodiversity in Sri Lanka, an organization supported by the private sector, promising Sri Lanka's, promoting Sri Lanka's biodiversity. Mr. Kure has an MBA from the University of Sri Jayawardenepura, is certified management accountant, and he's also a member of the Institute of Hospitality UK. Dishan Fernando is the director of Access Projects. He has over 25 or over 30 years of experience in construction, over 40 years. 40 years of experience in construction and interior fields. He spearheaded both the Access Towers and Water's Edge project and was instrumental in pioneering many innovative engineering product ventures in the country. He has a background as an architect as well as a contractor and worked as project architect for Jeffrey Bawa during the period when Kandalama Hotel was in its initial design stages. And Deepa Vikrasinghe joined Surat Vikrama Associates in 1982 as a design engineer on his return to the island after graduating in civil structural engineering. In 1991, he partnered with architect Milroy Pereira and was involved in Jeffrey Bauer's projects such as Kandanama Hotel, Blue Water Hotel, and Sinbad Hotel, which is now the Anantara Kalutara. In 2001, he went solo and since then was involved in several landmark projects in Sri Lanka, namely Altair Residential Project, Shangri-La Hotel Colombo, Hambantota, Jaffna Cultural Centre, the SOS Children's Villages, and he is a fellow member of the Structural Engineers Association in Sri Lanka. I'm sure I left out some things and I hope you will bring those in as we um, speak today. So to start with, I was just wondering if each of you could describe how you came to be involved in the project and what your role was. Good evening, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Well, <clears throat> I've had a long history with Aitkin Spence, uh, being one of the first to join the hotels and uh, travel sector. In fact, I was the first employee of Aitkin Spence Travels and Hotel Management. Long years ago, 1976. And uh, those were excellent days for tourism during the 70s, late 70s and we had a boom time but didn't last very long as you know by 1983 we had this unfortunate ethnic issue coming in and we were we really got crippled I was with Edkin Spence from again. I left Edkin Spence for a short period of time and rejoined as general manager of the hotels, by which time we were flattened by the unfortunate war. 
the story behind Kandarame is that nothing took off after 1984. And uh, we were struggling, you know, the problems that we had. And for about good 10 years, nothing grew in tourism. We all went down. So, JVP problem also added to the insult to the injury. By 1989, we got flattened to that extent that I think we didn't even have 200,000 tourists. Now, when I say this, uh, we are probably coming back in the cycle now, getting such low figures now. But at that time, in 1981, we had 400,000 tourists. Came down to 195,000 in 1989 with the JVP uh, coming in. So, I mean, it was really tough times. Really, really tough times. Kandalama is significant because it was only Kandalama which started the uprising of, of tourism. Uh, we were, I think, we had a leadership that very bold to take on uh, a hotel in Kandalama. We started planning it in 1991. And at that time, uh, Aitken Spence had uh, leaders who, now I am <laughs> by occupation, I am an accountant, but I soon left that uh, very rigid profession and went on to serve the lesser chapter. And uh, so, Kandalama, not only doing a hotel, we ventured out to do certain things that probably people would have never attempted even today. So, by 1991, we started, 92, 93, uh, we ran into all kinds of problems and probably the project that had the most amount of controversy in Sri Lanka, whether it is religious or whether it is racial, it is political, it was a tremendous challenge. But he went through it all, and by 1994, we managed to complete the project. I will go on speaking too much because I know too much about it, so you get bored. But uh, that's generally the start of uh, resurgence of tourism in Sri Lanka. In the 90s, when Kandalama just took off in 94, and at that time we were, Aitken Spence as a group was doing very poorly, very poorly. If I put some figures into it, uh, in 1995, after the year Kandalama was built, the whole group of Aitken Spence made only a million dollars, at that time dollar was at 55. Right? So you can hold on. <laughs> 55 and 55 million rupees only we made in 1995. But by 2003, before the war started, we had gone up to 1.3 billion rupees. 
purely due to Kandalamma making money after five years of continuous losses, but assisted by our bold venture into Maldives. Even today, it's Maldives that's holding it straight. Even last year, I think they made a billion rupees, the Maldives effort. In short, now I've spoken long enough, that's the initial story. You can ask me anything else as we go along. Thank you, Prema. So, so that's from the client point of view, and then I was working for Mr. Bawa's office uh, as a, a personal assistant. And then Mr. Bawa uh, had communication with Aitken Spence, and uh, there was an incident where Mr. Bawa was shown this property, uh, which was actually the culture club, or uh, whatever they call it now, across the lake on the other side. And then uh, Mr. Bawa remembered during uh, his times of travels that he took a different route from Sigiriya to Dambulla, where he came across this lake with trees in it, so dead trees in it, and that's the Kandalama Lake. So I think if my memory is right, Mr. Bawa was taken on a helicopter. Okay, so Mr. Prakure was there with him on the helicopter, and then I can only picture Mr. Bawa saying that, like that. Okay, that's, I mean, it's it just him, that. Okay, so then the wheels of Aitken Spence would turn to find out who owns the land, uh, who does it belong to, how do we get it. I think it was belonging to the Mahavali Authority, and uh, Aitken Spence managed to get it on a 50 year lease, first for 50 years. So then we got activated in the office, and then Mr. Bawa said, okay, now you do the land route and go and visit the site. So I remember the first trip, uh, there was another colleague of mine called Vipula. He had a red and a white color Land Rover. And we went with uh, Tilak Selvaya. And I think, I cannot remember the UC Chaisinger was there. Later, but Tilak Selvaya was there, I think, from the beginning. Yes, so we went, uh, there was no road to get to the Kandalma site. So we had to go over Paddyfield Buns until we came over to this lake. And then we did a little bit of scouting around. Uh, I remember very well that the whole place was full of ticks. So when we came back, we were scratching all over because the ticks had climbed up our trousers and they were biting around the waistband. Uh, there was a cave which smelled of animals, uh, of animal uh, poo, and, and basically it was smelly. Uh, so we did the initial scouring around and came back. And then I think the surveyors were sent on site. And then the next part of the story I will narrate after Deepa. So that's how the office was introduced to the site. So it was a kind of a, a very romantic thing of going in a jeep over paddy fields and like, you know, having a whale of a time uh, discovering this and what Mr. Dis Mr. Bawa discovered there, like that. Thank you, all of you, and good evening, friends. Can you hear me? Yeah. I'll add a little bit more to what 
both of them say like uh, how i got involved in this project uh, i was working with an architect called anjalendra you must be all knowing him he was a close friend of uh, mr baba and though he was not working every weekend he used to see him and i did a project called sos children's village in piliyandara in 1980s that time that was the first time we used concrete rafters for building instead of timber rafters the timber we couldn't get season timber at that time and we experimented and said we can use the same section out of concrete so mr baba very curiously asked who is this engineer who worked with you can you introduce him to me so that is how i got introduced to mr baba and my first uh, interaction was with him there was a hotel called simbad now it's now called anantara is it sorry it's avani not anantara avani hotel and we had to do some refurbishment and one day he called me and asked can you come and see me on a sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock so i stopped everything and was very excited to meet this great architect and uh, he asked uh, i thought we are going to discuss about some new development he said he just looked at some column and said can you remove this column i wonder what the hell is this suddenly asking me to remove a column from a building which is already existing and um, in fear i said yes we can do it <laughs> and that is my interaction with him and after that i did that of course he was quite happy what i what i did and uh, when pandalamba started i partnered with architect roy perera and uh, as dilshan said everybody said mr baba has gone in a helicopter and said you build here and we had to follow on round and see where we could build and like they went myself and roy took a car and went to kandalama couldn't reach the site because there was no road there was a school called dsa like college in kandalama now of course well tarred and carpeted roads are there so up to that point the vehicle could go and from there we asked people where is this so called hillock and what is on the other side and people said there is no road but you had to walk along the tank embankment so after walking about one hour we were just going but i can't see anything happening but we were always telling that mr baba says that there is a turning point he said what are you talking we right now we have gone for around 2 hours shall we go back so no he said no shall we walk on the half an hour and see so after about 15 minutes suddenly you find uh, a sort of a saddle like you come across the hill and there's a sudden drop the saddle and you can see you have to climb up on on rocks so that entrance that we are having today is that natural saddle that we first saw at the end of the tunnel of the saddle but we saw the view is the present view that you see that's interest to hotel so i'm just touching on the in, the first day of my project there and the rest i will tell you later um mr prema i didn't realize you were on that helicopter ride which we always hear about but don't know much um about you know what that was and what what does it mean as a client to say we've already purchased this land and then have to change it could you tell us a bit more about that that particular encounter 
yeah, just, you know, what was it like to be on a helicopter and look for a lad when everything is grown and how, I, I know, I mean, I can never understand how he, I knew that area quite well. Sam Papam had a sort of arboretum down that road and I think he was, they were great friends. So he knew Kandanama very well, so he couldn't go off that time. But that's maybe the reason he asked you to give a helicopter. No, it was yeah. of abject poverty. You can put it. Yeah. Today if you go, I think I miss the road. Yeah. Recently when I went, it has developed so much. Yes. Right? Yeah. The, the change that has come to a very poor hamlet like that. And what uh, it's it's not what Aitkins Pence did, it's what tourism did. Even today, now I've been involved with many hotels all over the island and also Maldives and India. I think that this aspect of tourism is a development wholesale of almost a civilization. Because you don't find a single boutique. Now, if you go to Nigambo, if you go to uh, Bentota, Bay Roller, it's full of, you know, uh, let's say, ad hoc developments. Today, if you turn to the Kandalama gravel road, because Mr. Baba didn't want it tar, that part, it's about five kilometers, I think, you don't have any visibility that there is a hotel five kilometers away. No, it had not got polluted uh, with the usual development that is associated with tourism. And I must say that the money that went in to build a hotel, a good part of it was for the, for the labor cost, labor of unskilled and semi-skilled of the Kandalama people. So eventually, to my recollection, 90% of the uh, paddy fields were not cultivated because they didn't have money to do it. Animal husbandry was the next one, but there are also people didn't have any kind of means of development. But this little bit of money that we put into the labor, I think, uh, created the stir. The money didn't go to build hotels and things like that. The money went to improve the means of the people. And that is why it brought about such a big difference. The money went into the village itself. I still remember how uh, they got lights. Electricity was very far off from Kandarama. For that matter, most of the country, and how they managed to get a small loan and light up the whole village. I think we we gave we did a lot of infrastructure. Uh, although we were a very poor company in accountants' terms, right? Uh, at that time, but here a lesson to learn is that we never knew what was going to cost Kandal. There was nothing to go by. Ten years no one has built it. So no evidence, no visible evidence of actual cost. 
to tell you frankly, the first estimate that came out, probably, Deepal will tell you, was 250 million rupees. The company was not making even one-tenth of that. So for a finance person, it's just impossible to think even of a hotel. That's what we mentioned. But having told that, this is what Premadas's and Premadas's time, even in 1993, you know that Kandalamba was built without debt. How? Ten years of no, no tourism business, but we managed to get the money for Kandalamba by two rights issues, which was fully oversubscribed. Even I can't believe it, because they had confidence in Sri Lanka at that time, public, despite the bad patch of tourism, put in money. So 1993, we were fully oversubscribed, and Kandalam was built without debt. Today, every hotel that I am in is full of debt. Everyone is trying to build, whether it's Altea or anything. Up to here. Right? But it's a fascinating model. And we were we managed to survive. If you can remember nineteen ninety-six was the central bank bombing. Right? And Kandalava walked straight into it. I remember as the and in charge of hotels, I mean, we were bleeding to death at that time. And Kandalava made continuous losses, naturally. But we managed to survive because we didn't have debt. But it, I think a few years later, 19, uh, to 2000, we started to turn and make a little money. That's how it happened. So, very fascinating story of Kandalama is that even now we speak with passion because we were absolutely married to what we did. You see, we never made any money. We, <laughs> I, I, I don't think we were embarrassed to even go and ask for increment. Right? It was like that. But those are the ones that eventually proved to be winners. Right? And so that's why I came here today, because I couldn't stop coming here. Thank you. Um, Dishan, do you have any recollections of GB describing this project, you know, in, I mean, I think it's really fascinating that we get to speak about it from these two angles. Um, but as, an, as a building, as a structure. So friends, uh, just to sum up what, what Prema is saying is that there are two worlds. One world was Aitken Spence trying to earn the money to get this hotel, get off the ground. Prema Dasa's era, the first project after a long lull period. That was one world. Now, Mr. Bawa's office where I worked, that world was not known to us. 
we were in a cocoon so we were not exposed to the horrors the client was going through so in in terms of kandalama the first thing that mr bawa did the first and i remember this very well he had a square rule he always draws on a square rule sheet of paper he has a pad he drew the room he first drew the room and then uh, most of the hotels of that time whether it be triton or something like that you have the passage then you get the toilet with the cupboard opposite side then you get the room and then you get the view so he put the toilet right in front and i remember asking him mr baba you know people can see oh dear shawn you know who is going to be there on that side he talks like that no so unless you go in a boat and look back you can't see which is the toilet which is the room and then he designed the toilet i don't know whether i'm right on this as you walk in you get a, a wardrobe then you turn to the right hand side you get the bedroom and there's i think a city uh, a seating arrangement there then you get the toilet and then um, it just opens up into the view so this is the first recollection that i have of this room then he placed the room as a string around the contours and then it went on like that with little gaps by that time he had already worked out okay there's going to be a lucky sculpture here you know it's all there in his head and then he kept on doing and he kept on doing one whole run and uh, one of the discussions that etkin spence had with us at that time was wouldn't the uh, what do you call it the sunny side up egg that somebody would do for a room order won't it get cold from the kitchen going to the last room and then uh, there was this talk of having a small satellite kitchen halfway through uh, i don't know whether that actually took place but there was it was a long run so the room first then it was like a string going around but for mr bawa there's always this drama in his design and this i remember very well because there was this uh, huge boulder and he took this passage around the boulder and he told very clearly that he wants the kandalama lake to open up little by little so that when you don't go in a straight corridor you take the curve and he spoke very clearly of a black kadappa flow kadappa is the black stone from india to be highly polished like water so it was not terrazzo that he used at triton but black kadappa so that the kandalama lake would be an extension of this almost watery black thing and then it will just open up as a drama and then uh, even the climb up the ramp uh, to the upper level where he could actually go through and then you could look back to see the dambola rock but parallel to the passage that you are going is a wall and then you get a service passage parallel to that where the suitcases would go into the rooms right so the the buses would unload people so these were the first things that was designed the room the layout like a string and this drama of the living room or sorry not the living room but the the main lobby opening up to the vista so so that's 
Chari uh, exactly how it happens in the drawing office. You know, he had a round table and then he would work late into the night with coffee after coffee and smoke after smoke. And then he would scrawl this and then it was our job to make that into some kind of a drawing or a technical drawing. But that's how the whole thing developed. And Deepal, at what stage? I mean, there, there was there wasn't a ton of precedent for building around a boulder and sort of in a boulder like this. At what point did did the structural work come in? And you know, I assume when the plans were given, but then the site plan was also being developed at the same time. Okay, there's an interesting story. Deepal was shit scared of Baba. Period. Okay. So, Bawa actually asked him to do a columnless entrance spanning possibly 60 to 80 feet, 50 feet, which was quite huge at that time. Right. So, over to you, Deepal. I think he did it because he was shit scared. Don't bury him too much. Uh, Continuing from these two worlds, talking about the cost. Like, they were the clients, and Mr. Bava's office, they were the conceptual architects. Mr. Bava didn't want to go into detail, so we, he handed over the project to Midroy and ours. So we were called the construction architects and engineers. Uh, and pricing, as usual, in the drawing scale, we were supposed to do a costing for the people. And we worked out as rupees 250 million at that time, precisely as Suprema Kuri says. A lot of money. So we were quite, like we said, this is the best we could do and to go out for tender. And at that time, Sri Lankan contractors are not taken that seriously to do a big project of this nature. In 1990s, it was Japanese contractors who were controlling the construction industry. Uh, Mitsui, then uh, Marbe, and there were a lot of Japanese contractors who were controlling the construction industry. So Mitsui has approached client directly and said, we'll do a turnkey, we'll do it for you. And uh, we were like, both of us, my partner, everybody was Sri Lanka. We decided, why not, if the designs are done in Sri Lanka, why not we give a chance to the local contractors to prove themselves to go to the next level. They were determined to go to the local company. And I think we all went and explained to it constraints the importance of giving the local contractors a chance to work. So then they said, all right, we go out for tender. And today is one of the big contractors Maga sunk, uh, I think Mitsui was sunk in at that time, and Link Engineering and Tudavi Brothers were shortlisted. And uh, interestingly, Mitsui refused to quote, saying that they're not interested to work with the local consultancy practice. Fine, three came, so the tenders are floated, and we happily thought everything would be on schedule and as also as the price that we had quoted. 
So tenders are to be open on a particular day. I think the head office down, Rima down, Lloyd's building. Yes. So it's a huge boardroom at 2 30 in the afternoon. The tenders would be open. The entire directory got there. We were right. Mr. Baba was also there. I don't know. Mr. Baba didn't want to come. He just didn't come. So tenders were open. And the figures were read. The lowest was 550 million. <laughs> There's a pin drop silence. If lowest is 550, the cost that we were talking is like. 250, there's no chance. Yeah, they say 250 is not possible. Then there was the chairman, I think it was Mr. Michael Mack. Yeah, he's a man who made it possible. He said, he, he speaks very fast. If it is going to cost 500, let's do it. Let's see where we can cut down the cost also. And if it was so fast, I couldn't understand that also. <laughs> so we were, got, we were told, go back to your drawing board and see how much we can reduce the cost. So we looked at every aspect of it and said, can't bring it up to 250. I think we managed to bring about 50 to 60 million down, keeping the architecture as it is. But the board took a bold decision, and that was the lowest quote uh, was given by Link Engineering Private Limited. I think they are not really more in the scene. And they were successful, and we were happy to give that project to Link Engineering, a Sri Lankan company, 100% Sri Lankan, and they won the tender, and that was one of the biggest projects at that time, and uh, that is how it was started. So to answer your question about these boulders and design, yes, um, there were, it was designed in Colombo, based on certain contour plans that was given to us. But when you try to set it out and round the contours are far away from what was given. And a way about like meters, I think that's this famous way of propagation. Poor man has done so, I don't know where he has done it, it was not relevant to the site. <laughs> so we had major changes and also the rock outcrop at the center from that was sloping down and whether to maintain the the boulders that was there, Mr. Bhav didn't want to do much of changes. So we had to work around those and to find out where the firm ground to place these foundations. And sometimes the designs were changed to just to merely to keep, and, uh, just to avoid uh, cutting up a tree. And there's another unique feature in this design that the lowest truck, lowest level was about 10 to 12 feet away, a high, a high from the ground level so that allowing water to flow through so that when, the rain, when it rains there was no blockade the water was flowing under the building because it was all the whole thing was on stilts so that is how it was initiated at that time i'll tell you some more interesting things a bit thank you um just one more question on the process and then i think we'll shift to some of the, the challenges but um, what were the tools that you used as a hotelier, as an engineer, as an architect to design this? Because I mean, I, I've heard of a model, um, but you know, financially, I, I think what you um, described was really interesting. How do you finance this? But I guess what were the mechanisms that actually enabled this to, to proceed? I wish. 
I wish that we have leaders like what we had at that time. Because, you know, before Mr. Mack, Mr. Mack is a daredevil guy, absolutely a visionary. Before him, it was Mr. C.P.D. Silva. He's still living, he's 92. I'm having lunch with him next week. He is a chartered accountant, maths honours, all that, 22 years at the helm. But I'm almost positive he would have never allowed Kandalamu to be built. Because the figures didn't get into place for a finance man like him. Or for that matter, for anyone. It's only Mac, you ask the question. A madman like Mac, who would have allowed it to go? He went to the finance division and said, mind you, the girl who was in charge of that project is still with that kid's friends. Nidanti Sivakutasa. She told me, Mr. Mac came in after the opening the tender, find the money. 550 million, you find the money. That's what they did, actually. So, things that you can even, today, sometimes I say, that we can never produce a miracle like Kandala. Right? Because people are not in that, you know, take decisions like this. Of course, the other thing is that Mr. Bhava, now my dear boss, Mr. Sivaratnam, who actually was Mr. Mac's student, he followed Mr. Mac, but Mr. Mr. Mac says, build it and then let the other fellows do the work and come out with it. Mr. my boss, was more meticulous, right, and made it happen. But all these ingredients, the daredevils, cautious people, all made the board, right? And I think uh, Mr. Bawa, I was a small fellow at that time, but I know how much they, Mr. Sivaratham told me one day, that's my boss, that my 60% of my success is Mr. Bawa. I think Mr. Mac was in the trust uh, initially, very, very close to Mr. Bawa, right? And they sort of adored him. Mr. Bawa goes to the hotel and says, this is it. They wanted it done that way. Today it's not something like that. They, you change the architects every year, right? <laughs> if they don't like the owners, uh, you know, they are different. But at that time, I want to tell this, that Mr. Bhava was held in such high esteem, and for the right reasons, I think, uh, that one would not do an upset. I remember Mr. Sivaratnam telling me, you all are all young people, that he's, when he was most junior on the, in the board, when uh, the, sorry for saying this, when the ladies, that's the wives of all the directors, used to go 
they wanted, I think this college is not good, I think this should be somewhere else, etc., etc. They started, that's a usual thing, proprietary thinking. Mr. Siruratnam said, I went to Mr. to the board and said, if you want any changes done, the hotel you have to tell me. Right? Because he has to get the blessings of Mr. Bahar. Otherwise, no, nothing can be changed. It's only with his blessings. So that's one of the reasons that we stuck to something and we trusted and it produced goal for us. That is what it is. The personalities involved, the faith one had in each other, is the thing that made it work. Okay, Shari, so uh, she was talking about what kind of tools we had in the architecture part of this whole thing, right? So uh, I'm sure that you all are all working with AutoCAD, uh, 3D renderings, etc., etc., which was non-existent at that time. So we had a drawing board, we had a T-square, and we had tracing paper, and we had pencil and pens. Uh, yes, I do remember there was a model, a contour model done out of Kandalama. Uh, but it was mostly uh, a cardboard contour model. Uh, that was my job because uh, I am a model maker before I joined Mr. Bawa, so I used to make pretty good models. And this was only to have some kind of a, a general structure. It was not a beautiful model, it was a working model mainly. Uh, other than that, it was just plans, sections, on the concept side of it where we were involved. But when it came to uh, Deepal's office, it was much more complicated. There were staircases, toilets, detailing, uh, ducts, rainwater, all that kind of thing that was happening. But it was very, very manual, very manual and very enjoyable. And I think uh, most of you, if you go around looking at the drawings, it was all uh, hand-drawn, uh, freehand sketches, uh, because we didn't use rulers or anything like that. Of course, we use rulers to uh, outline it in pencil first, and then everything was hand-drawn using uh, rotring pens. Um, I mean, we had an absolutely wonderful time. And like Prema said, you know, it's all about passion. This is, Khandalim is a story of a passion of the, the client, the architect, and, and then the, uh, the determination of making something happen. Uh, which was challenging. So it was not a building that was like 60 stories. There was no challenge like that. But there were social challenges. There were challenges in terms of like, you know, will it work or whatever it is. Now, I know for a fact that uh, such decisions of uh, putting up something on a budget that there was never an inkling of an idea of having a budget like that would never happen today. Will never ever happen today. And then uh, Mr. Bhava is, is, is very gentle but very uh, forceful about what he wants. And we'll probably talk a little bit later about the colors and exactly what went on into the building. But from an architectural point of view, it was absolute pure passion. There was nothing but passion in all the people who worked. And like I told you, the drawing office or the design office was shielded from Prema's world. And he, he didn't know what was happening in the drawing office because they had absolute trust in Baba. And, and until 
the finished product or the columns came up, no one dared to question, uh, not in a bad way, but, but out of respect for a man who was in his prime. He was at the peak of his career. He knew exactly what he was doing. And Kandalam was totally different to Triton or any other hotel that he had built from a design point of view or the approach to the design or anything like that. So uh, there were a few uh, boo-boos that happened, which we joke about it even now. Um, the story is that like maybe uh, in about like 300 years from now when we are all gone, uh, when nothing is left, that somebody will come and discover uh, a set of foundations that were built on the far end of Kandalama uh, as tubs. And then they'll come with the story how it points to Anuradhapura and the Celestial and the full works. But the real story is that the bloody surveyor got it wrong. <laughs> okay, So he, <laughs> he surveyed the high water level of the tank at a wrong level and by that time the foundations were done. And that's why now you have a Damul living because the numbers or rooms are to be there. But this was the fun part of Mr. Bawa. You know that we used to joke about these things where there was no explanation to his architecture. He just went with the flow. So if somebody were to ask him, uh, what is your theory behind this or anything like that, uh, there's, no, there's no theory or, or, or anything like that in his architecture. It's just a pure census that has been stimulated. So it's, it's more like a, like I told you before, it's more like a drama. And then um, somebody told me that it's one of my drawings of the elevation of Kandalama that is there, and I had completely forgotten about it. And we were not interested in putting our name drawn by, we, we don't do that, because we were just extensions of Mr. Bhava. Uh, his hands were shaking at that time. He was um, maybe too much of smoking or whatever it is. And then he used to scrawl a little bit on the, uh, the, the square rule paper, and then uh, some of those pictures are still there, and then we had to interpret that into a working design, and then that's interpreted by Deepal's office, or Murray's office, into a proper working drawing. So the the thought process that actually went from Mr. Bhava through a sketch, which is stamp-sized, all his sketches are absolutely stamp-sized, and then that's developed, and it goes, and we, we never put our name into it, because it was not our own. We were just extensions of himself. So the tools that you're talking about, uh, there were no tools. Okay, no computers, um, no 3D models, no renderings, nothing. It was all here, and we all knew it. Everybody associated knew it, and we just went through. There are chairs uh, in front, if you'd like to come and join. Uh, there are two chairs here. Or we can send the chairs back. Okay, so let's change it, send the chairs back. Yes, yeah, so this is soft. The design methods. Um, no computers were available at that time. Everything was hand-drawn, the drawings again. Calculations manually done. Luckily, it was only five stories building. It was not that difficult. And the uh, only thing that we used was that in engineering design, we have a, a code, a practice. We follow the British code in Sri Lanka. It's called 
VS 811 Nord, or what is called Reynolds book. That was the only book we had in the 19th, late 80s and early 90s. So with that, we did manual calculations, and the sketches were done, and the drafts were used to do the drawing. And no computers were available. And I can remember in 1995, I think the project was over, we bought the first computer uh, to, for the quality surveys to check the dates. So that the BO gives a printer, and I think that was more or less used as a printing machine, that's all. But the sophisticated software that we are using today, like Procon, SAP 2000, was unheard. So, and talking about the under the challenge that took place, when the tenders were floated, we never had a Damula wing. It was the main entrance and the Seagiria wing, all the 100 meter rooms are located in that direction. And halfway with this, suddenly find that we are building on the reservation, the whole thing has to be stopped. Foundations were done, and I think nearly 100 million rupees worth of work was done at the time that we stopped. And the contractors at site, you know, in a contract, when you stop, while the contractors are at site, there's huge compensation uh, that you have paid for stopping work. So then somehow was very calm about it. I mean, inside it could have been definitely disturbed. But he said, let's handle it. Let's see whether we can go to Damula side. And that is why the Damula we came in. And the security part of that was a matter. If you have been to Kathanam, you may see right at the corner, you see these stumps coming. And as Dirishanti rightly says, after a couple of hundred years, people might think these are the remnants of some artifacts and other things were there. So, uh, very simple methods were used. And of course, in the construction, you know, we all know that we have this ready mixed concrete now in the market. So, that was such a new, such a new thing. And first time outside Colombo, a ready mix plant was planted in Kandanama uh, site for the purpose of making ready mix concrete. So that was the first time outside Colombo. So like that little bit of technology went in. There was no way of communicating between Colombo and Kandanama. So we got a radio link that was operating. So that any questions that they want to ask through a radio link, we used to get connected. No telephones were available. Can dial not double six, but it won't get connected. <laughs> so, so that's how we did it. But I think still it, we managed. And, all, and also, I can remember another new thing that we did. The roof terrace is heavily planted. I, I, I suppose all of you have gone to Kandanamba. All of you, all of you have gone. It's heavily planted. So waterproofing was a quite a challenge there. Yeah. And for the normally the waterproofing we do is you all the herd as architects we have something like membrane application or cementation applications there instead of any of these we used an additive to the concrete so that we did turn out waterproof concrete uh, from the batching plant and it worked as a pilot we did it as a pilot project that worked very well and the entire Sigiria wing we never had any issues of that first time we used waterproof concrete without any external application. So there was a few things that were introduced at that time. 
early 90s, and now, of course, things have developed a lot. Um, and at what point did the kind of controversy and challenge, the challenges that um, the pushback rather that the project started getting, at what point in that process did those start coming? And maybe you could describe some of them. Okay, before we go, in, get, go into that, which is Prema's area of the controversy, however, how, how many of you know the controversy of Kandalama? Have, but you, heard have you heard about this Kandalama being a very controversial project by any standards? Okay, so okay, since you all don't know about the controversy of Kandalama, we'll probably ask Prema to explain it best because he knows about it the, 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 all the way through. Condensing it is a difficult thing because I think I have more than 300 cartoons on Kandalama, right? With me, right? We all cut and kept. So the controversy was such that it was all over the country. Without social media. Huh? Without social media. Without <laughs> social media. Social media, I know, we haven't that been. But uh, it was difficult, even our lives were in it. I was told, right? Because. Uh, Ratio. Because we had Mr. Tondaman and Mr. Sivadasan, his secretary, right? And if Mr. Sivaratnam, my boss, to all Tamils. So, you know, controversy, it had no basis whatsoever. But that's how the Kandalama project was taken apart. And uh, how Mr. Premadasa, I must mention, played a key role. Several times. No, no, who wanted it stopped? Who wanted it stopped? All the, the protests were by environmentalists. Then, you know, we had a very powerful NGO, uh, that is Algama and uh, Lalanadi Silva, Environmental Foundation. That's the first time they took us to court. And they won it, actually. I was in courts. First time, first time I attended courts, right? And who said? In judgment. Who? Hmm? Sarat Silva. He, he sat, and I met him later on. His judgment was that, well, they all wanted a public inquiry. Not heard of those days, but they said, no, this is so much of controversy that it should be thrown to the public. And uh, Sarat Silva, he concurred with that view and said, if you continue building this, we had, must have done two, three hundred million worth of work by that time. If you continue, you are doing so at your risk. But we took the risk and went through. And I think after that, most of the protests stopped. Because the environmentalists managed to stop the project, in fact, technically. 
But it's just that the bravado of eight kids' friends said, no, we'll take the risk and continue. So what happened was Mr. Premadasa was unfortunately killed one year before we start, started the hotel on a fateful 1st May in 1993. He was killed. By that time, he has played his part to carry us through. He, he just took it on and said, I'll support you, right? And he never allowed us to stop it. I remember him sometimes saying, going over the helicopter and saying, I don't see any people working there. You know, he's, uh, he was so interested in getting something done. Because I think it was politically that he was succeeded in garments. It is 200 fact going to the outstations. And he felt that even tourism was a way forward to get the people uh, to his side. Well, you must know that there was a group of nuns that went in a bus from Colombo with a huge cross and went on top of the Damula rock and planted. All in protest of this hotel. Catholics and Buddhists together. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a Catholic. Mahakoti nuns, they went to the Dambulla temple, took a cross, one, the, the rock. That was a level of uh, uh, protest. So actually it was the environmental foundation that ultimately... And uh, so Ravi Algam and Lalanath Diselva, Right? Huh? There was another one. These two I can, because I met them recently. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, NGOs, they, they, they could two powerful lawyers, right? And they made their case, saying... Just in relation to that question, was that pushback what made the project, what Determine, uh, made Aitken's friends determined to make it an ecotourist project, or was that always part of the ambition? I would say that that sort of inspired us to go through, but the determination of the board was that come what may, we are going to do this. In, yeah, environmental thing came in, that lobby of environment came in only at that time. That was like a Start. There was no real cry about the environment. This whole sustainable tourism, which I'm part of now, at that time, now Mr. Amurubandaranayaka went to Rio summit. At that time, leader of the opposition, and the whole of opposition, including the current prime minister, they were protesting against Kandalam. He went to the Rio summit, the famous Rio summit, and said, there is a, a monster being built in Sri Lanka, referring to Mandala. Right? So it, 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 took, it took the whole world by storm at that time. And we were able to, but the whole thing turned because after the judgment, since all the guys who protested, in a way they won the, uh, yeah, yeah, the verdict came in their favour, it sort of died down. 
a lot and we ventured out thinking if we fail in the public inquiry, we'll have to close shop that go. Say bye to three, four hundred million. But I don't know. Such such evidence is not available today. But that that is the bravado at that time of doing it. But I think they believed that what they were doing was right. Because we were all I had to go to all kinds of experts and get uh, guidance in order to defend ourselves. And at the public inquiry, it was a farce. Because by that time, Kandalama Hotel had opened in a public inquiry. One year after that only took place. So it all sort of faded out. But that, uh, the, the monk or the Buddhist priest, who I'm, I'm still scared to put the book out, because the controversy is such, it has to be edited and re-edited and seen that no one will take us to court. That because that, uh, his name, Sumangala, Suma, and uh, he's still living. Yeah, he said, if you allow this hotel to be built, he'll, he'll commit harakiri, but he's still living. But I want to just add one at uh, the President's house where Mr. Ba was given the Agarkar Award, the fourth, I think, architect in the world to get it. We were all there at the presentation and uh, uh, Mr. Bawa was very close to the Bandaranagar family. And the commentator, like this, there was something uh, about uh, Mr. Bawa, and remember the guy who, I don't know what you call it, compared the show or whatever, he said, of all the works of Mr. Bawa, Kandalamava, Kandalamava was the best expression. I still can remember that. Kandalama was probably the best expression of Mr. Bob. What's the time limit you have allocated for this? Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. So guys, I mean, uh, Prema Kure, myself, and Deepa can talk about Kandalama till the next moon. And I know that you all are young, you all have to get home. So uh, Shari, uh, you will probably ask if there are any questions or? Yes, I think, I think, I, there, I mean, I have so many questions. I'm sure you all do too. Why don't we open up? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm just worried about them because I think some of them are very young and they don't uh, no, no. The night is still young. Night is still Okay, fine. Yeah, I mean, uh, if it's too boring, because you must understand that this Kandalama is, is basically, uh, there's a political part of it, there's this design part of it, then there's Mr. Bhava, there are so many players in this, Premadasa, like I said, it's like a movie. 
and and what was not supposed to be built, there was no money and all these things coming around and uh, yeah, so Shari, you should ask questions. In concluding my little bit of talk here, one interesting story, an encounter with Mr. Baba. I must tell you this before I others know about it. I, just, I have mentioned in the, it will be coming in the book also. So this entrance that we are having, the scene is it's a ramp. It's about 30 feet high. When this was constructed, when we want to construct it, Mr. Baba wanted not to use concrete or the retaining walls. So they're seeing those walls are still like rubble wall. And generally we don't if it is exceeding about twelve feet or fifteen feet, we don't go for rubble because you get massive sections at the bottom. That's when it's a private retaining wall, you have a fairly big section at the bottom. This being twenty five feet high, so he insisted not to go for stone uh, concrete. So we designed this huge retaining wall. And while doing the retaining wall construction, one day we had to go to site where Mr. Ba was also coming. And uh, by that time, part of the retaining wall was constructed, the entrance, but the latter, the other part, which was going down later, was under construction. There was this boulder, a boulder that is coming along the pathway of the retaining wall, and there was a nice a hella tree that was very small, very small. Uh, what had happened? The tree, the, the roots were like getting binded uh, to the, the boulder there. And unfortunately, the contractor, without knowing, he has cut some of the branches. The tree would have been about four or five feet tall, but was so nicely wrapping around, the roots are wrapping around the boulder. And by mistake, the contractor has chopped off some branches, and there's only one thin stem that was protruding out. I would say a half inch. And Miss uh, Baba came to site and saw this. And I was with my partner, Bill Roy, and suddenly Bill Roy was missing. <laughs> he was not to be seen. So I wondered why. He knew that. So Baba is going to blast everybody for cutting this tree. So I, without knowing anything, I got saw, but anyway, I stood by and said, he came to me and said, I cannot pretend that I am not outraged. So it took me some time to understand what he said. He was so angry. <laughs> right? So he said, whatever you do, do not change this boulder now. Build it around it. So the instruction that I can't go home, like that, I can't go for lunch, stay and get it built at least around that. See that this boulder and this small tree that was a half, uh, just a half inch thin, with the roots, with the roots again getting bounded to the rock, just place it there and build around. So if you have seen today at the Kandala, when you go down the ramp, there's a slightly uh, increased, the road has got slightly increased, there's a slight parking slot there and as of today is a huge tree about 40 feet high giving shade and um, and also a lot of birds are perched there and they're in the nest 
So I think saving that day a tree after 25 years I found it's not just saving a tree. I have saved a life for the generation that's in front of me. That's the younger generation. Thank you. Some interesting snippets for you all to understand a little bit about, like, you know, colors, how uh, Mr. Bawa used the colors in this, and there are some interesting stories. So, um, uh, when the time came, when the structures were up, uh, the colors were to be added on to this. And uh, I remember for the swimming pool, the color of the tile, uh, the guy who manufactured the tiles, I think we had only Ceylon Ceramics at that time, if I'm mistaken only one company, not Rosell or anything like that. That guy would have come with maybe 25 times Mr. Bauer's office, and Mr. Bauer would say, oh, not this, not this, not this, and he'll go back, do another one, bring it, so on and so forth, until the correct color was selected by Mr. Bauer. But in terms of applying the colors onto the walls, uh, this I remember very well. I was at site with him. He asked the masons to get earth from that surrounding area, mix it up with water, and then applied it, just applied it. And he said, I want this color. Then he uh, was great friends with uh, Ina de Silva. You know, she uh, was a very much part of, uh, he, he, he had a whole a group of people who assisted him in many, many uh, aspects. Like sculptures were lucky, and then colors and batiks were from Ina de Silva galleries, so on and so forth. So he asked Ina de Silva to come and help him decide on the colors. Now, this is going to be the most amazing disclosure that you will understand. To get the correct color green on the exterior walls, what he did was he and Ina de Silva went across the bund of the lake, the spillway, and selected the color which was matching the backdrop to the hotel. Okay, so it's crazy. It's utterly, totally crazy, but it is correct. He wanted the hotel to disappear into the mountains until the, the greens took root. So the whole thing was covered in, in like what you see now, but at the beginning it was supposed to be green. So the correct green was not any color that was picked from a master palette or anything like that, but it was done by uh, CSE or whoever it is, but the correct color was chosen from across the bun, because that's when you see it. Because nobody else can see it, right? So uh, that's passion of how to do it. And, and, and that I find uh, was the most enjoyable thing working with him, because like his way of uh, trying to get something to disappear uh, took some very unusual route of selecting this color. I mean, Maybe today we'll probably do a drone or something like that. I don't know, but like, you know, at that time, they drove all the way through that, you know, the gravel road that Prem was talking around and would have taken about 15, 20 minutes to go around and then go to the other side of the barn, never no cell phones. I don't know how he communicated, but uh, things happened and things worked quite well. So, uh, to me, Kandalama, to be very honest, I have never stayed in that hotel for some reason. Never. I know the whole plan at the, like the back of my palm, 
but uh, I never stayed there. I would probably would love to go and stay there. And there were uh, other stories like uh, we had white tiles in the bathroom, and a colleague of mine, I think architect Sumangala, drew a, a kind of a lucky type of a tree and black and white, and then this was given to the people who would imprint this on the tile and bake it. So uh, Nasumangal draws a beautiful hand-drawn tree, and he drew into the tree uh, our names, Sumangala, Devishan, um, like that, into the tree. You can't see it, only we know what it is. And it got baked into the tiles, and the tiles were laid out. And then when we went and looked very closely, there was like Sunil and Nimal and all these names. To see the printer has put their own names also into it. So, I mean, to us in the drawing office, working with Mr. Bhava was pure fun, absolute fun, but serious work. And for that kind of thing, I mean, uh, he was all game for it. So, uh, those two things about color and the choice of what do you call it, the tiles and what Sumangala drew, and even the ker as the symbol of Kandalana was Sumangala's thing. I don't think he got paid for that by Kinspens. Maybe they were broke. But uh, the, the Singhala Kayana uh, became the Kandalama logo. Yes. So that, that so. Everybody who was working in this project was passionate about it. And in fact, I supplied uh, all the furniture for the, for the hotel, the wooden furniture. And that is another story. I don't know whether we have time extent to it. Yeah, so, so there were samples which were brought by Mr. Baba on a trip to Thailand or someplace like that. And there was this funny green uh, Chinese chair that was reproduced in Morotua. And there was this Dutch chair that Mr. Bava has in his own house. Uh, that is very common now, but I reproduced it in Morotua. But it was redesigned. Um, any Germans here? Anybody with links with Germany? German? OK. Can you understand Sinhalese? Oh, terrible. Okay. So most of the tourists at that time were from Germany and Europe. So Mr. Bauer wanted a chair that an uh, oversized German lady would be able to sit and rock. So, so the sizes of the, the Dutch chair was increased slightly. Uh, the construction details were changed slightly. And then that was reproduced, I think, maybe about like uh, 400 or whatever it is that they wanted. And then there was another chair, which was like a yellow-colored chair with aluminum inserts in it. Uh, that was also made in Murutuba by myself. Uh, so I did a lot of work uh, like for Mr. Bava, but I must tell you that all, all of that were Mr. Bava's design. So he designed the furniture as well. Then when it came to the curtains, he said, I want Amuredi. You know what Amuredi is, right? Rock Lord. So then I told Mr. Bhav, wow, you can't put Amuredi for curtains, it won't drape. Uh, then he allowed me to choose a curtain material from a supplier, which was uh, out of uh, uh, henna, uh, the flax, with no dye. So it was just almost looked like raw cloth, but it was a proper curtain material. 
uh, that and then for the bed sheets he wanted Egyptian cotton which Aitken Spence couldn't afford at that time and uh, again uh, it came from a tiny Chinese shop in Singapore the first bed sheets uh, I don't know what they were but uh, they were supplied including the table napkins so I mean this whole thing of the entire hotel I think even the cutlery and the crockery, everything Mr. Baba would choose. So it, it, was, it was your total experience. And I don't know about the music, but I think there was a flute, a guy playing the flute, the flutist was there from the village. Uh, but um, my recollection of Triton is that when Mr. Baba goes to Triton, uh, the hotel manager would chase away the Nabambas or whatever the band that was playing and then put Mr. Baba's music because like I mean he had this whole thing in his head the music the smell the flower the food you name it it's your total experience which came as a package from Mr. Baba so so that's what I can actually share with you at this moment uh, Shari uh, I think we can talk about Source that Baba has been influenced for lighting, especially with the controversy of the environmental issues, from the building that uh, just uh, opposite to Odell, uh, which has been done by ERMB or something. I can't remember where I read or something. Is it true or are there any, I mean, uh, any design solutions uh, he has been taken before be, because of this environmental, I mean, thing? What I what I read was uh, that uh, mostly with the uh, lighting reflections. Once the building is done, there are reflections, so birds and those things get. Different. Okay, so uh, let me clear all controversies. Okay, uh, there were no architectural theories with Mr. Baba, zero. Okay, no axes pointing to the North Pole or any direction no uh, mathematical uh, proportions of the height or the flow or no known um, influences by anybody. He, he designed from what was there on the ground or his imagination of what it should be. So if there was a boulder, he uses the boulder. If there was a shelf or uh, I know that Kandalma had a small cave area which was part of, they found some inscriptions and they said you can't touch it. So that then was made use of, you can see uh, through the dining area of Kandalama, but we avoided that or he avoided it. So uh, 
it's not possible um, for anyone to say that, uh, let's say there was some theory or anything like that. He was just a very normal It's just like you and me, but very cultured, very cultured person, and and uh, he would enjoy his arak in the evenings, no scotch whiskey or anything like that. He would treat his guests with uh, hoppers that was brought by or uh, bought from the kade next door by his uh, jayati sir, and served on real china and real silver. And all these foreign dignitaries thought that, wow, like, you know, what a dish, but it came from some kade up the road. So, uh, <laughs> we, we can talk about, so, to, to answer a question, there were no theories. And, and in none of the work that I was involved in, uh, Mr. Bhava had any theories or any explanation to what it did. It just came to him and he enjoyed working with whatever the uh, environment that was given to him. So even Triton, you can see that all the coconut trees are there and then he'll use it as a reflection in the entrance pool. Uh, he will use the, the water and the waves beyond that. Uh, so if you look at all his uh, works, it's more or less architecture built on that particular site. You can't pluck it up and then put it somewhere else. Yeah, any questions? Yeah. So uh, we heard from Anjavan that there's a, a favorite room Baba would always sleep in, room 507. Okay. Why was it like, I mean, is there anything you want to add? So he was a fussy, picky old man. Okay, and it's just like uh, uh, what you wear for the night. I mean, some of us would probably have an old banyan or something like that or some some old thing that your mother wants to throw it away and you don't want to be thrown away, like your old pair of shoes or something like that. So he, he uh, was very specific to say, that, okay, I want this room and when he goes there, he likes, likes that room. Maybe it's because of the views or anything like that, nothing more than that. But uh, I mean, what's the joy in not having a particular room? I mean, let's say that you have like, you know, a harem of 50 women. Okay, and if you don't have your favorite, you can't write a story, right? So it's something like that. Sorry, <laughs> but it's very appropriate, I must say. Any anything else? Any anyone wants to ask on architecture or working with power or anything like that? You guys are young. I would like to know the maintenance for that building because, like, it's very much close to the nature. I think the plants are taking over, the greenery is taking over. So I'm just like looking at like how much maintenance goes to that building and uh, is there any kind of like a technical part when we're initially building it? Like, have you ever considered anything about it? Yeah, so let me answer that also very, very quickly. Uh, Mr. Baba trusted and had a lot of engineers and uh, artisans and everybody around him. So he, he did trust all his engineers. He didn't try to influence them. He actually worked around what they wanted. Uh, he didn't say that this duct is too big, can you make it smaller? 
So Kandalam actually works even today. All the drainage works perfectly. But like you said, uh, it must be difficult to maintain with all these branches and monkeys coming around and, and maybe some of the foreigners won't like the insects and things like that. But that's what you pay to experience in Sri Lanka. You, you wouldn't want a European hotel slam bang in Kandalama. Uh, I know that the Kandalama had a lot of uh, good mechanical engineers. Uh, there's air conditioning in all the rooms, there's electricity. You can't see the wiring. In, in, in all that was done in, in about the time period that was built. The kitchens were there, I think it got refurbished. Um, but if you ask, uh, if you ask me, uh, did Mr. Bhava like uh, uh, maintenance part of this architecture? Uh, you must understand that when it rains in Triton, that all the water comes in and there's an army of people pushing the water out. And somebody has asked Mr. Bhava, why is it that you have all these open spaces and you allow the rainwater to come in? And then he would turn around and say, oh, it doesn't rain 365 days of the year. So in terms of replying to your question about maintenance, uh, that factor would not interfere with his design, if I were to tell you the truth. Uh, he would put the architectural design first and let the engineers sort out all the issues uh, in a very discreet manner. Uh, and if there was anything that he could not, uh, let's say, take care of, he would plant a tree in front of it and then hide it. So he'll always find a solution to get out of a problem, but uh, in terms of, uh, let's say that, was it a kind of a technologically very well worked out and many kind of thing, I think that he leaves it to somebody else who is compassionate to his architecture, including the structures. I remember uh, Deepal did a fantastic staircase. If you remember that staircase, Deepal, you know, that had no beams, it was just slabs. So he would challenge uh, engineers to do what they could not have done and probably they did it out of fear <laughs> and uh, so would the other uh, many engineers do it as well. I mean that's him. He was not a forceful man but very lovely person to work That's true. So on a, on a finance level, from an from a, a, a investor point of view, uh, it may not be the, the most uh, best maintained or the, in terms of cost, but they are quite happy with the income that they are gaining. You get a premium yeah. for your products. Anyone else has questions? But good questions, actually. controversies, how did Mr. Bawa handle it? I mean, was he affected by it and uh, by the controversies, by the cases? Okay, if he was affected, he never showed it. Uh, I don't know whether he discussed it with... Uh, I don't think. No, he was not even bothered. Because by that time, you know, the, the hotel was already the concept for design. You know, the, the, the roof gardens, from, from day one, they were supposed to be with wild grass, his exact words. 
it was supposed to be like you know not a manicured garden but just just wild grass so he had this notion of the whole thing getting covered in like what it is today i mean this was there in his mind probably we didn't see it and uh, the fact that he allowed all the water to go through but it was a controversy because it was built on the uh, water catchment area of the lake uh, because nowadays by law you are okay to build on the downstream part of the uh, bund but not upstream yeah it, it it was the major controversy that was there uh, but uh, i don't know i, I still don't uh, quite understand why people didn't want it at that time or why certain environmentalists didn't want it or they just want to poke a finger into premadas's uh, administration most probably that is it if i may add just from an archival point of view um in the exhibition you have a selection of the press clippings and Premu mentioned the 300 cartoons. So, I mean, as someone who was very, very small in this project, was when what we see in the archives is unlike with any other project, those that pushback was kept in the archives. It was carefully cut out and preserved. So, it, um, and also in our oral histories, which are online, um, you do have people. Nobody says how they know, but they all say. Well, and the was very hard for him so so i mean this is a thing maybe he didn't maybe also because you were working on it i i but i i'm saying this just from what we have recorded and not having been there that there there is some record there's something about it that um so so it's it's interesting because like there are several worlds so we in the drawing office were in some kind of a protected world we were i mean not even interested in what oh i mean somebody come and say oh there was some nuns on bubble oh this is going on uh, i mean uh, we had no social media until that just maybe uh, sunday newspapers or daily daily news at that time uh, nothing much but uh, like supreme kore said that like you know there was a huge battle going on at that end and uh, no bawa did not bring that battle to the design never he never brought that battle to the design at all having read a little about this controversial issue it shows that um, most of the people used to say vevai gamai dagabai so the villagers were very concerned these three areas the vevai gama and the dagabai because thinking that tourism can corrupt all these three main issues that is one of the controversial issues that it started with so having read there is nothing about mr bawa having to do anything with it but but um, the akinswens group was able to show them because they had the correct people at the correct places for instance uh, there was a gentleman mr uc jayasinghe who was very much involved with the with the with the with the people in the village so he was able to go and speak with them and to show them what exactly that the hotel can bring to their youth so like before that they were talking about how paddy fields were neglected the hena cultivation was neglected but these youths who have never worked in hotels or anything like that now they were able to come into the hotel 
and they were able to get a better, 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 um, even their fathers who were like, like farmers, they were able to come and work part-time uh, in the construction work. So they were paid very well. So they were able to, uh, the income boosted their other incomes. So that is how it mitigated, people got to know exactly what is tourism, how Kandanam is going to, the hotel is going to help them. So they got a better, clear idea about the hotel itself. Just a small. Thank you, and thank you for mentioning Mr. Yusi, who we wish could join us today. Um, I think we should probably wrap up. Um, I hope we can maybe have a second uh, round of this to continue this conversation. It's like the story of those uh, concrete stumps that were never constructed. Uh, I left to Singapore immediately after it was built, and there was uh, not an opportunity for me to go and uh, say stay in the hotel. Uh, it's still in my uh, bucket list to go and stay there, but uh, there is no reason uh, to be very honest. Um, most of us who worked with Mr. Bhava had no huge uh, uh, thing about architecture. We were just there, and we were just a group of people. We were just having a good time building and designing and things like that. Uh, as a subject, theory of architecture was not spoken about. So uh, whatever we learned in architecture school or anything like that, in studies or whatever, uh, they were, they were uh, never an influence. Uh, we were just ordinary, simple folk, just like you all, you know, having a good time, that's it. So uh, no controversies, no drama. I didn't have the opportunity of going to Kandarama. I've been to Habarana so many times, but uh, didn't go there. Soon there, Shan, so. <laughs> So on that note, I think we will wrap up today. Thank you everyone for coming. Despite all that is happening, we really appreciate you joining us today and to our speakers. Um, and we hope to see you back at the exhibition and at some of our programs in these last couple of weeks. Thank you and good night. <laughs>